Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. Hi, everybody. <laughs> we got you. We got you. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Well, everybody, this is Bill. He's got years and years and years of experience working with uh, with new construction, and you know he has quite a breadth of um, of information at his disposal working with, um, with a lot of buyers, a lot of people who are doing new construction and working directly with the builder himself. Um, also, side note, I actually found out that uh, the bill actually climbed Mount McKinley earlier today, which um, Bill, I've known you for a while now. Honestly, if I were you, I would lead with that when I'm introducing myself <laughs> to people, but <laughs> to each their own. Well, it, it was in 1986 and I was a little younger and a little stronger at that time, but uh, I, I actually moved to Alaska originally to climb mountains. And uh, one of the beautiful things about living in the valley, uh, which is the Wasilla Palmer area, is there are mountains in all directions. And it is a it's a very beautiful place. And and uh, the reason I moved to Alaska was to be around mountains, the ocean and to have four seasons. And there's very few places in this country you can do that. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's definitely one of the big appeals here. I mean, do you still get out and like climb mountains? Too, no, or? I retired from it. The last mountain I climbed was something called the Moose's Tooth, and it was a 2000 foot ice cooler. And uh, it uh, took us about 19 hours to, you know, it was in the Ruth Amphitheater of at the in the, you know, below Mount McKinley, and it was, uh, it was pretty hardcore climbing. And uh, I had a young family at the time, and I kind of had a talk to Jesus and kind of said to myself, you know, there aren't too many old bold climbers, and it was a good time to retire. So that's what I did. <laughs> Fair I have enough. survived five avalanches over the years and during my younger days. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that definitely got some stories that nobody else can tell, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and do this real quick. Uh, okay. We have got quite a few questions in the comments section here. So um, let's go ahead and work through some of the questions we have here. And, I mean, you can answer these as best you can just from from your knowledge. And then we'll go ahead and get in with kind of the, the basic questions that I have. So number one, coming sure. in from William, um, what is the construction and, and excavation market like um, in South Central Alaska? And would it be worth moving a business up there from Michigan? So what are your thoughts? Well, the um, generally uh, sometime foundations can be dug up here year round. And they do that by using heating, heated blankets, you know, and thawing the ground. And it's a much more expensive process to build during the winter months. And, and we can tend to get heavy snows and you have to create tents and the tents can be crushed by the snow. And it's more expensive because you've got a lot of fuel you're spending with the tenting. So generally the construction season, uh, many of the years is the ground is still frozen uh, many times in June. So we actually are really, the good builders don't put the foundations usually in until July. Uh, Want to have the ground completely thawed to get the, the best product out that way. And then usually the end of the season ends sometime around November, um, around the 1st of November. It's, it, it usually has to do with, uh, it, I've seen it as early as uh, mid-October some years. So what happens if you put a foundation in and uh, the ground's not completely thawed out? 
Well, you can get some shifting that takes place. Um, you know, the the um, what you want is the the most important part of the house is the foundation, and that's what creates all the structure. And there's ways they can thaw the ground out if they run into that uh, frozen area to get it to get it unthawed, so they can uh, do it properly. But again, it just runs a little more money to do it that way. And that's sometimes where some of the contractors can come in with, uh, uh, you know, with an upcharge or with uh, some kind of an increase in cost because of that condition. Some years are really, really cold and we don't have as much snow. And so the ground freezes a lot deeper. Gotcha. That's, now, in this that's particular something I haven't really thought about. Yeah, I guess if there's yeah. not a lot of snow, it's going to freeze a lot deeper. And in this particular area that, uh, that uh, which is called the ranch, that a lot of the building is, take, you know, where... Uh, Peter Abernoff, uh, Elijah Custom Homes, kind of prefers to build. Um, we work with the developer, and he actually prepares the pad that the foundation is set on. So uh, what the name of the game is, is to put the foundation in in the fall, and then they can build through the winter if they want, or if they want the highest quality product they can do, they'll start building in the spring. Uh, during our, you know, May is a very, very clear month, usually with not too much too much weather and it's a great time to, to get the house framed up and a roof on it uh, before the weather starts moving in. Gotcha. That, that makes a lot of sense. So moving on to this uh, question from Sean Walton, how different is building a traditional stick built home in Alaska compared to the Northwest? So um, can you speak to that at all? Um, you know, that's probably a better question for Peter. And I just talked to him and uh, he He's going to try to get on, and uh, hopefully we'll see him shortly here. The, um, you know, I think some of the things that we experience up here is we have earthquakes. We also have very, very high winds that are known when certain winds and storms lined up with the direction of the valleys. You know, we've known we've been known to see 130 mile an hour winds up here, so it does require uh, special work you know, a lot of extra bracing to be done to meet seismic code re, uh, conditions. But other than that, it's, it's, it's similar. All right. <clears throat> Outstanding. Well, let's, let's go ahead and jump over here to just kind of some, some general, um, general questions that I have. And those of you on the comment section, feel free to go ahead and, and jump in there and, um, and um, throw any questions you have in there that, you know, kind of jogs your your memory and your thought process as we're working through these. Um, you know, I always say these live streams are only as good as the, the questions you guys throw in there. So don't be shy. Um, and also, if you do have questions that you want to ask Bill, I mean, we're going to have a, a link down in the comments section or I'm sorry, down in the description where you guys can go ahead and, you know, get in contact with them. And um, I'll go and pass you through pass you on through to him that way. You know, I do a little bit of new construction, like when it's a couple months out from completion. Um, so I can do that. Bill's really like the guy for like from the ground up kind of stuff. Cause I have no clue really at that stage. <laughs> so I, I guess the first question here just is uh, really what got you into new construction just in general? Well, I used to, uh, uh, when I was in high school, I used to help a friend build houses. And when I got out of house, out of high school, we built houses. And I've always enjoyed construction. 
and I've always enjoyed working on my own houses. And when I when I joined the uh, the real estate team that I work for now in Alaska, I knew construction, and there was a lot of construction going on. And some of the builders were having trouble getting people to help them with open houses, and so I volunteered. And then I started selling quite a few houses, and um, and I did that for a number of years. And then, uh, and then the person that was representing the builder that I represent now uh, decided to leave and join another team. And the owner of our company approached me and wanted me to uh, ask if I'd be interested in taking over the new construction market. And I, I jumped on the opportunity, and I've been doing it ever since. Oh, outstanding. So real quick then, um, just kind of jumping into kind of the, the 30,000 foot view questions here. So what all does a custom builder or just a builder in general do for consumers? Because um, I've seen a lot of a lot of perceptions, what people expect and then what they get might be might be two separate things. So um, maybe really just kind of explain what all a builder well, I guess specifically what uh, what Elijah Custom Homes does in this case, um, what all goes into it? Well, you know, we uh, his specialty and, you know, all builders have different specialties. So I think when you're you're trying to pick out a builder in Alaska, what you really want to do is you want to get pre-qualified and find out what you're qualified for and then um, sit down and interview a couple of builders and Different builders have different specialties. Some builders prefer to build one or two or three types of standard model homes, and they build a lot of them, and they're lower priced, and they meet certain people's requirements for the budget that they have to work with. Um, some people want, you know, one of the considerations is, is how big a lot do you want to build on? And do you want that lot treed? Do you want a view lot? You know, in the case of uh, the building that we're doing, we are in the closest development for proximity to drive to Joint Base Elmerdorf Richardson, Eagle River, Alaska, um, Anchorage area, airport in Anchorage. And so it's about a it's really about a 30 minute drive from Anchorage. And so it's uh, and it's a it's a pretty good road going back and forth. And. Many people pick this because they work on the slope, and so they might choose to live in the valley because it's, you know, many people say it's just more fun to live out in the valley because it's not as fast as they call Anchorage the big city, even though we're a city of only about 280,000 people. So, uh, or I guess we're about, yeah, I'm trying to think the size of Anchorage. I think, no, I think we're a little larger than that. We're something like that anyway. Um, yeah, and then, it, uh, it, it feels a lot bigger just because we've got so much, you know, so much business and traffic goes through the area. So it feels a lot more than it is. <laughs> and and we're an oil company, so we we live up in Alaska, a little nicer than the average community does around the around the what we call the lower forty eight. Um, so the first thing you want to do is pick how big a lot you want. And so most of the lots uh, in the area that Peter builds at. Uh, generally around a half acre in size. Uh, the developer puts in all the roads, takes care of all the water. Usually each home has a septic. And then you can choose the lot you want. And of course, the most important thing when you pick out a lot is the direction you are and the relationship you have to the sun. Because we have some unique sun conditions in Alaska. We have 
we have the kind of time we have right now. We're losing about five minutes a day and the sun comes up around 8.30 and it's dark at about five. And so we don't have a lot of daylight and it's getting shorter every day. Summertime, we have long hours of daylight and you ideally want to have your backyard or your decks or your facing your primary view. And so location, location, location is so true in any kind of real estate and especially new construction. You want to be facing the views and you've got to take the wind into consideration in some of these areas that can be windy from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess real quick, um, well, actually, let me do this. Let's let's jump back into the comment section a little bit and answer answer some more questions from folks. So talking with uh, Onnit Ozzy, so what would the average build time be of a three bed cabin style home be with uh, services and outskirts of towns, not really looking at suburbia? You know, usually the best time to build those because of some of the water conditions we have uh, in some of the rural areas uh, is to skid in cabins um, on sleds after the ground is frozen. So a lot of those places are built in the wintertime if there's not road access. If there is road access, then you can pretty much build any time of year. Uh, you know, but I had a friend that built a couple cabins uh, on some, you know, on about 38 acres of land up here. And they, they were able to build two large cabins over the course of about a three-month period of time. Bring everything in, build it, um, you know, all the powers, remote generators that they, they haul in. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a dark building season, so they bring in their lights and they have to put in their foundations uh, into, that, into that ground. And uh, it was interesting, his first year that that cabin went up, the ground moved a lot once it thawed in the spring. And so the, the builders came right back and were able to level everything out and get it all corrected. And that's part of what they do. But um, is that, uh, is that common where the, the ground kind of, kind of shifts throughout the season, at least you when know, you're it, building? It does. It does. And as we get farther North, you know, you run into the tundra. And so um, as we have warmer you know, so to say global warming and warmer conditions, they're finding that some of the traditional ways that they used to build, let's say in areas like Lake Louise, for example, which it might be a, like a five hour, or it's probably a th two, three hour drive from uh, the valley here, um, tends to have uh, some tundra up there. And so you have to dig down and normally you set your pilings on frozen ground that stays frozen all year long building techniques have to change a little bit as we start to get into some of these warmer conditions. Right. Yeah. I mean, I uh, had the chance to go up and visit uh, Barrow a couple weeks, a couple weeks, a couple months ago. And um, have you ever, if you've never gone and visited there before, I think you would, I think you would probably, um, if for no other reason, just enjoy to go up there and kind of see the buildings up there. Cause the water table is 10 feet below the surface. <laughs> so like everything is like on these big pilings and it doesn't really matter. Like everything's just kind of slowly sinking into the ground anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, so this area where, uh, you know, the area called the ranch, it has, it, you know, it's a lot of glacier, glacier, glacial moraine. 
is what it is. And so it's good building ground and uh, basically the developers, which are the Turners, put in uh, put in all the roads, bring in all the water to all the lots, and then create a pad that is all compressed and ready for building. And so the builder really just has to uh, basically go in there and uh, set the foundation. And um, water and everything is there, and uh, it makes for a really nice process. We have some areas that are going to be coming up next spring that should be a lot of fun. Uh, um, one of them is called Panoramic Preserve, and that's going to be about 18 lots that are going to vary in size from around uh, two and a half acres up to four acres in size. And there are other people, you know, that want five acres. And I just helped someone else find a place with 10 acres. You know, so it really is up to everybody what, you know, they happen to have horses. So they want an area for their horses and they wanted a barn. So um, there's a uh, nice thing about the valley is there's still lots of land available, lots of development areas. And um, and it's a, approximately $100,000 less to build a house, a standard house out in the valley as it would be to build it in Anchorage. If you're do talking about new construction. Gotcha. And what makes it so much more affordable to build in the Matsu Valley versus uh, versus building over in Anchorage? It's the price of the land, which is the, the biggest cost of building and the availability of land. You know, uh, um, Connie Yershimura, who is a land developer in the Anchorage area, has made the statement that she believes in 10 years Anchorage is going to have to go vertical which I thought was a really interesting statement in a class I attended to hers recently, um, just because there's so much limited land, there's only so much area left to build on, and a lot of the good land has already been built on. And so now the areas that are being built on are maybe less desirable areas, a little more, uh, a little more, the ground prepares more preparation, and um, there just is only so much land, or it has to be, or it has to be pretty high, uh, high up on the hill, you know, which presents its problems in the wintertime just for access with four-wheel drive getting up and down the hill and in deep snow and steep conditions. Right. right. So let's uh, let's go and do this real quick. Let's answer this question. So just bought land outside of Willow. Um, this should be a pretty, pretty easy question for you, but what is the best way to find a reputable builder out in the, the Willow area? Well, you know, there are there are certain realtors that kind of specialize in the Willow area that know that area really well. And I'll be honest, I'm not one of them, um, but there are people that know that area really well. And um, and your best bet probably would be to, uh, you know, reach out to uh, Jamin here or reach out to somebody. Uh, Keller Williams has an office in the Wasilla area. And I know that there are some individuals that are uh, very experienced in that area and know that area really, really well. All right. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's, let's go ahead and jump into this real quick. Oh, you know what? Actually, you know, the other I... thing you can do too is the, the Matsu Home Builders Association has a list of all the builders. And I think that might be a good place to start too. They could give you a list of some of the builders that do more remote building and at least give you some people to start out with that belong to their organization and that are reputable as well. Right. What are some questions that people should be, you know, asking builders as they're they're getting used to it? Because I, I think a lot of people are really intimidated by the prospect just because the 
Um, I, I think the the dynamics of the relationship for a lot of people is something that they're not really used to, and it's kind of just an unfamiliar thing for them. So oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, what are some questions they should be asking builders when they're going into it, and what can they expect? Well, I think the reputation of the builder is very important. I think you you want to um, interview the builder. You want to find out, um, you know, in this market right now, a lot of costs are uncertain just because of distribution issues that every all industries are experiencing right now. So you want to ask, based on the, the size house you're thinking about building, what would be the estimated costs? Um, what would be the estimated time to build the house? Um, what is considered standard in the construction? Um, how much can the price of the house increase before there would have to be any kind of upgrades done to the house? So one of the things Peter does is what we do is if prices do not increase more than 2%, uh, it's considered standard. If it, And uh, what he would do is he would show you what his original costs were to, you know, let's say for the trusses or for the foundation or for the plumbing. And, and if there was a cost that went beyond that, then there would be a change order. He would I'd let everyone know that there has been that. That'd be a process that we do some paperwork on and, and be upfront about those costs. Um, one of the interesting things that happened today is uh, there was the largest drop in an interest rate and in the an increase in the price of bonds that has ever taken place and the rumor is that we're going to you know the experts in the industry and nobody's got a crystal ball are expecting interest rates to get down again in the five percent range and i range and we don't know exactly where but this was a great indication today that some of the things that the feds are doing are starting to work and um so it was a very good signal that we're heading towards lower rates. So, you know, another thing too, is you've got to keep checking is a lot of people might have been qualified to build a $900,000 house, but with the interest rates where they, where they were, sometimes they can get priced out of getting into a house or maybe have to just that same house maybe now is going to cost them, uh, maybe all they can afford is 800000 with the higher interest rate. So it's a process of, uh, of a close relationship between, between the builder, between the, the buyer's realtor, the listing realtor, and, uh, and, the, and uh, the couple that is building. And, and having really good communication is, is, is just critical. Right, right. So got another question in here. So from Bill D with a custom build homes, does finding and financing the land part of the building um, is um, finding uh, finding and buying land part of the uh, building buying process? I think I said that right. Um, yeah, yeah, you get the yeah, question. No, gotcha. okay. yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Usually what happens is the um, is you um, you have to check you have to decide where you want to build and not all builders will build in all areas. Um, but there's a lot of areas out here in the Valley and certain builders sometimes own all the land in that area. And so you can only work with one builder in that subdivision. There's other areas like the subdivision that, uh, that uh, a lot of the building is taking place in viewpoint at the ranch right now, where there's multiple builders and 
they tend to, a lot of the builders are related to one another. You know, they're uh, brother-in-laws and they're, there's, uh, uh, and that's a whole nother story I don't even want to get into right now. But, uh, but you know, there's, uh, a lot of the builders know each other. You know, they have a real friendly rivalry, but uh, um, they, they all have unique qualities of what they like to do. Some specialize in bigger houses like Peter, some specialize in some of the smaller ranch houses. Um, some do very, very custom work and kind of Eastern style building. And, and um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of talking to them and finding out their availability. Many builders fill up uh, in the summer to the point where you'd have to wait the following year to potentially build. So it's a good process to start this time of year and get things lined out, get, get price quotes. And, uh, and uh, the other thing the builder will do is will help you establish a floor plan. And there's a lot of floor plans that exist out there in the, uh, on the web that were created by architects. And you can buy those plans and you can search plans. So let's say you wanted to build a, a three bedroom, two and a half bath, three car garage house. Uh, so you could you could look and see whether you wanted that to be built as a ranch house or whether you wanted that to be built as a traditional two story or you wanted a super pitched roof on it or you wanted, uh, you know, things like that. And so um, and then the builder can generally take those plans and modify those plans to make some tweaks according to what the individual uh, buyers want to do. So one of the things that Peter likes to do and has been really popular is, you know, Alaskans love their toys, their boats, their snow machines, their four-wheelers, their side-by-sides. And so big garages or detached or attached shops are very popular up here. And that's one thing Peter has done quite a bit of. And uh, um, those have become really popular to have a six-car garage that you can park a 40-foot motorhome in or you can park both your cars in your motorhome or both your cars in the boat or both your cars and all your toys and, you know, keep them out of the weather. And a lot of the houses now are being built that with uh, different plugins for both, uh, you know, should the power go out, uh, you can have a detached generator that you can plug right into the house, or you can have uh, a 50 or 70 amp circuit to uh, plug your motorhome into on the outside of the house. I've seen it where there's our clean outs built right in the garage that you can put your motor home and, you know, have that thing functioning and plugged in in your garage or on the side of the carport either way. Yeah, well, I mean, that's definitely one thing I've noticed with all the with a lot of the, the new construction lately in the valley is just those garages seem to be getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> you know, and that, that's and the other thing, too, is, uh, um, you know, some of the things that uh, you, you want to find out what is standard when you're going to do a build and what is not standard. So, for example, one of the standard things that could be done would, you know, like a standard ceiling might be eight foot. You know, Peter always does a nine foot ceiling on the first floor and an eight foot ceiling on the second floor. But there are exceptions. You know, he's just built a house recently where the master bedroom has a 15 foot ceiling because you're looking out at a wall of windows in the master bedroom, looking at all these mountains. And so, you know, taking that view uh, is important. And, you know, uh, any of his plans can be modified to be made larger, smaller, change the pitch of the roofs. And um, it's, it's, really, it's really a fun process. Decide where you want the electrical. 
Do you want an extra sink? Do you want a butler's pantry, uh, you know, to store all your stuff in? Do you want it set up like a professional chef in the kitchen? There's just so many things out there. It's, it's real fun to talk about and, and work with people on that. Yeah, well, I, I imagine... I imagine for some people like that, that feels awesome. I imagine for others that struggle with um, making decisions, it sounds like that uh, that might be a bit of a hurdle for them to get over in the process. Has that kind of been your experience? Or the people who aren't good at making decisions, they're just like, give me something and let's go. <laughs> well, you know, I've heard that uh, some of the most stressful things in life can be uh, the death of a parent, the death of a child, um, the uh, moving to another state, getting a new job, building a house is one of those. Some couples do really well with that. Some don't, you know, um, it just depends uh, how, what they're, what, what they like, what they don't like. But the nice thing about Peter is he's got a real eye for decor. Um, he's got a, uh, I call him the, uh, the singing contractor. And the, I call him that because he's the band leader in his church. He plays keyboards and he sings. And so he's got uh, left brain, right brain. He's a great builder, great leader, good Christian, honest, really honest builder. And uh, finding all those qualities in one person is uh, is unique. And uh, the whole group of guys that he builds with uh, all have a strong Christian background and, and are reputable. There are other builders up here that... Uh, that uh, you know, you want to you want to check out the reputation of a builder before you build with any of them. You know, unfortunately, God didn't create everybody equal in terms of the job they do uh, for their customers. Yeah, absolutely. So just a couple more questions here from the comment section, and then we'll uh, we'll move on with my um, larger 30,000 foot questions. OK, so coming in from Matt, who um, do you build in Fairbanks also? Um, I don't know. Does I, it sounds uh, like Peter kind of focuses more or less on Wasilla Palmer. Is that okay? Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Peter's Wasilla Palmer. Um, there are some builders that build both in, you know, that, that are real large, but really Fairbanks kind of is its own area because distance wise, it's like five hours away drive time from Anchorage. It's about an hour flight away. And so geographically it's a long ways away. And so there are builders that concentrate on the Fairbanks area and the other thing is it's much warmer there in the summer and much colder there in the winter with 30 below zero to 50 below zero, very common. So again, some of the building techniques you're going to find in Fairbanks are going to be different than what you would find where we tend to be fairly close to the ocean. And we have the Japanese currents creating a little bit warmer conditions in terms of our winter temperatures. You know, we're a little more moderate uh, temperature wise uh, in the in the valley here. Right. So one more question here coming in from William Lockhart again. Are there restrictions to building your home, especially out of town? So, yeah, I'll let you take that one. You know, um, I'm not, um, I, I think as you get in more remote areas, I think there are general building um you know, a lot of people will build their own cabins and um, there aren't inspections that are necessarily done, but it's good to build according to building codes and to building, you know, 
build according to the building rules that are set up uh, by the Builders Association and by the state of Alaska, no matter where you are. What does tend to happen in some of the more remote building is the inspector may not always come right out to the site, but you have to videotape what you're doing and it has to be approved by, by a, uh, an inspector at different stages of the, uh, of the building process. Um, you know, the, the biggest issue is when you go to sell that land or sell that cabin, that's when you're going to start having some issues in terms of how it was built, who built it, what codes were followed. And so uh, it's always better to build to code. Codes were built for, you know, were put together for a reason for the conditions up here. And, and uh, um, so I'd say, yeah, I, sometimes the rules are less stringent, but I'm not real experienced in remote building. I pretty much work with a builder that builds uh, in the Wasilla Palmer area. And I've worked with builders that have built in the Anchorage area. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know a number of people that are, you know, looking at just kind of doing it themselves. And I mean, there's some real pros and cons either way, but yeah, like you said, the big con is going to be on the resale. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen some jacked up looking houses that worked great for the people who were there, but they went to resell it. And I mean, it was just, um, just a mess. And uh, of course they didn't go into it intending to, to try to do that stuff. But I mean, the, the builder is going to be the most updated on what the codes are. And it's just going to make the entire, the entire process when you go to sell it a lot more and you're going to make a lot more for the house probably on the other side too. So yeah, I, I can definitely see some pr strong pros and cons either way, but just from my experience, that's, that's one of the big cons I've seen of, of building it yourself. And the thing I find, too, that there are realtors that really specialize in different cities in Alaska that specialize in different geographical areas. Like, for example, Nancy Lake is a very popular area. It's about a it's about an hour's drive from here. And there are builders that are doing a lot of building up around Nancy Lake. You know, and a lot of those homes are are, uh, you know, three quarters of a million to a million plus dollar homes up there. Very beautiful lake. Views of Mount McKinley. Um, and there's a builders geographically, it's hard for a builder to do too much traveling and do it cost effectively. So they tend to build within a geographical area. Right. No, totally. So real quick, Bill, um, can you see the, the map that I have pulled up here? Yeah, I sure can. Okay. Good deal. So I've got my, uh, got my cursor up here. Um, can you see that up near yeah. the top? Okay. Yeah. So let's let's go ahead and do this. Why don't you go ahead and show me the area in which you know which Peter builds, and then kind of show me some some other areas where there's a, a lot of building and construction going on as well, just to kind of give people some ideas for the areas that we're talking about. Yeah. Well, let's see if we're. This would be. Can you show a little more detail on that? A little closer. So we've got the Matsu Regional right over here. Do you want me to go to the uh, the satellite? Oh, there field? we go. Oh, that's beautiful right there. So the area Peter is building is primarily this area right across um, the Parks Highway off of Trunk Road, which is, um, you know, so it's south of Matsu Regional Hospital. Okay. And, so. Um, so all the green is is the, yeah, there you go. That, that shows it right there. 
and that is um, all of Trunk Road. And the dividing point is the creek there, which is Wasilla Creek. If you're if you're left of the creek, it's Wasilla. Right of the creek, it's Palmer. And, is there any uh, difference, I guess, building in building in um, um, Palmer versus Wasilla? Is there any difference or advantages one way or the other? None whatsoever. Okay. None whatsoever. Yeah. It's. Uh, it's it's all the same land. It's uh, and it's all going to have a Wasilla post office, so it uh, it really doesn't matter. Um, it's all very similar. The land is very similar in that area. Geographically, it was just set up that way by the boroughs. Gotcha. Okay, so right about here in this area is kind of where these homes are. And I mean, the thing I really like about this area is you've got. I can't really see. Let me see if I can switch over to this. Well, that doesn't really do it a whole lot of justice, but the thing I really like about this area here is you have just got a magnificent view of, of Pioneer Peak, like right across the way here. You know, Pioneer Peak, East Twin Peaks, uh, the Wasilla Mountain, or the, I should say the Hatcher Pass Mountains, uh, um, uh, Nuska Peak, all are seen from that area. And this new area where these, uh, uh, 18 lots are going to be going into that are going to be two and a half acres or larger, have 360 degree views of the mountains and just stunning, stunning views. And um, there's, you know, I was counting them up, I guess there's there's a lot of lots available to build on next spring. And there's a couple, three big development areas that are going in. And what, you know, my, what might be a good idea, Jamin, is I can send you uh, something that was put together by the uh, Matsu Builders Association. We recently had the fall preview of homes. And so that kind of shows, uh, there's a map there that shows all of the building areas in the Palmer Wasilla area where a lot of the new construction is taking place right now. So I'll get you a copy of that. And um, that also shows where some of the pockets of building are which would be near Hatcher's Pass. Um, you know, there's some building and there's uh, Wolf Estates, which is another big building area right now that's got a lot of trees. So if you want a lot of privacy and trees, that's really a, there's an Aspen Ridge area where there's building going on. And um, there are some roads that are very congested that you don't want to build on necessarily because... <laughs> The roads are narrow, the traffic is bad, there's not good lighting, and you got to think about transit time to get to work if you're commuting. And so one of the first things to do is look at your commute times from wherever you're thinking of building and try driving them during the worst time of the day to see if that would even be of interest to you. Gotcha. No, that, that definitely does make sense. Another popular area is Colonial Field Subdivision, which is on the other side of the Matanuska River. Uh, uh, so it's on the opposite side of the river from, from the city of Palmer. And uh, that is accessed. Um, that, that's a beautiful, it's a lot of farmland out in that area, which is yeah. also referred to kind of as the Butte. And uh, so you got a couple of these big camels back buttes that stick up in that area and a lot of really neat farmland and uh, very flat land. A lot of those properties out there are all acre lots. 
Uh, Peter did do a build over in Colonial Field subdivision for one couple that built a uh, built on four acres of land. They actually bought two lots and uh, built about a 4,000 square foot house on three levels, walkout basement and two levels. And uh, when we just had the fall parade of homes in the, um, his, his, our only entry in that won the Golden Spike Award, which was, which won all categories, best construction, best street appeal, uh, best workmanship, um, um, fit and finish. And uh, so that was that was uh, very nice to get that award. And he's he's won a lot of awards over the years. And uh, usually you can tell a good builder by the fit and finish and the detail of the home when it's near uh, when the construction is just about done. And if anybody does happen to be up and around this weekend, there is a parade of homes that is going to be at the ranch this weekend. And um, Anyone is welcome to come out, and that's going to be Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 4. And uh, we're going to be giving away $1,000 or 10 $100 gift certificates. And the only requirement is you have to visit the 10 houses that are in the Parade of Homes. But there'll be a lot of new construction. Uh, four of Peter's houses are, are moving ready out there that people can, can see his construction work. And uh, I'll be out there and... There'll be a lot of realtors representing different builders out there and not all the homes are new too. So some of the homes are existing homes. You know, if you want to come out and happen to be in Alaska and want to want to check out uh, what what the ranch is like as a building area. Yep, absolutely. You know, I, I feel like maybe sometime we should do something looking specifically at the at the parade of homes. Because I, I think that uh, would be a big value proposition, I think, for a I lot of people. I think it would, too. I think yeah. it would, too. Um, you know, that way you could get a list of all the builders that built for that, who won what awards, where they tend to like to build. Um, and, um, yeah, that's a good good starting point. And there's usually Absolutely. a spring parade of homes and a fall parade of homes. Absolutely. So I've got, I keep saying this, but I've got one more question from the comment section, and then we're going to move on. So okay. <laughs> uh, coming in hot from the hot shot is if allowed to design house before giving plans to house builder, um, is there any templates or guidance on how to design to legal standards for house building? Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, usually the best thing to do is to try to find the home closest to what you have in mind and then maybe modify that home but the other thing peter is very good at uh, is he can draw up a house and draw it to your specifications and then give it to the engineers to do the engineering work on it and so that is one thing he does and uh he's built so many homes over the last 10 years up here that chances are there's something out there that is similar to what you might be looking for. Um, some of the biggest really issues are is ranch homes tend to be more expensive than a traditional two-story house would be. And the reason for that is, or Jake, Jamin, why do you think that would be? Well, let me ask you this. Are they both the same square footage? You know, if you had two houses that were the same square footage, the ranch would be more expensive because the, the foundation and the roof is the most expensive part of the house. 
a traditional two-story shares some common space, shares some common floors, which makes the overall building cost less. And then another option that we have uh, with some of the builds that are being done right now is some people choose to build a ranch home, but put it on a walkout basement if there's a little bit of slope to the land. So that's real popular to get a little more square footage. And then there's some really fun things that are being done by, uh, by some of the builders, including Peter, is he loves to put in theater rooms. So you have full surround sound, built-in speakers in the wall, projection screen, monster screen, and uh, you turn the volume up on that, it'll rock the whole house. <laughs> and that's that's never that's never going to go out of style. <laughs> and at the Prada Homes, that was the most popular place for all the kids coming through the house to sit while their parents walk through the houses. <laughs> that's smart. That, that's very strategic. So let's let's jump into some more thirty thousand foot uh, thirty thousand foot questions here. So how much does it cost to build a home? So um, this is, I think for a lot of people, this is kind of the, the thing that makes them squirm when they're thinking about building a new construction home. But um, I'm not entirely sure talking with you is if a lot of that is, isn't really justified. But, you know, what do you think? Well, uh, I, I can answer that a little bit. I would say at the ranch, uh, the starting point, homes have really increased in price over the last three years. Um, which makes it a, a still uh, new construction is a very good investment. And uh, we're, we're seeing homes that uh, three years ago would have been built, uh, you know, for example, a traditional ranch home that would have been built for 400,000 is now worth about 550 to 600,000. And that's over a two year period of time. Um, some of the bigger houses that Peter has built, uh, Oh, we had one he built recently that was 3,700 square feet with a six-car garage, big, big place. Uh, that one sold for around uh, or a little over $900,000. Um, there are some ranch homes right now that are for sale for around 575000 That would be somewhere around 1,800 square feet with a three-car garage. Um, there are... Um, a lot of what uh, I know Peter right now has three, five bedroom houses for sale. And we've got one, uh, we've got various prices on them, but they're, um, you know, they, they, in this area, the houses pretty much start around 600,000 and can get up over a million dollars. And I would say we have uh, like a, for example, he's got a little uh, three bedroom, two and a half bath, two car garage house, new construction in the established neighborhood that is uh, priced right now at about 505,000. Right. So that's about the least expensive one that was started last year. So that's going to be a little bit lower. Uh, He's got one just under 600,000. That is a five bedroom house at about 2,500 square feet, three car garage. Right. So that's looking at it. If it is a, like almost a finished product at that point. So let's say that they're yeah. wanting to, to jump on and get going with uh, the process from the builder from day one before they even break ground. So I guess and, what are the upfront expenses they would have? And then, you know, how does the, the financing and all that work on new construction versus buying oh, it sure. when it's just about finished? And is it, is it cheaper to do it one way or the other? 
You know, it's in many ways, it's safer to build a finished house. But if you want to pick all the finishes, pick all the lighting fixtures, pick the color of the flooring, pick what paint color is exterior, interior, pick the rock colors, you want to start from scratch. You know, if this is going to be your, your forever house, that's the way I recommend you go. Um, the other thing, too, is you can pick a house that is under construction. And once it's partially under construction, a lot of those costs have been determined because we knew what the trusses cost. We knew what the foundation was to put in. We know what the labor is running at that point in time. And then usually it's a little easier to pin it down. But Peter is good at uh, pricing the house and he'll price it right out on what it's going to take to build based on your floor plans. And uh, chances are we've got a similar floor plan that has been built at some point that we can look at as well and modify. Or the nice thing about some of these architectural plans is they give a bill of materials. Um, and it's real, it's uh, it's a process. It takes, you know, 24 to 48 hours really to price a house and uh, changes can be made to the house. And generally, if you don't change the square footage too much, the house price will not change a lot. Right. Um, right. Where a lot of people spend money is on the kitchen, on the kitchen cabinets. Uh, upgrades on flooring, maybe hardwood flooring versus the luxury vinyl plank, waterproof flooring. Uh, some of the light fixtures, uh, some couples, you know, the, the, the sky's the ceiling and what you can spend on lighting and things like that. So uh, my job is to, and the, the buyer's realtor's job is to keep, is to keep that house within the constraints of the budget that the people are looking to build it at. Right. And, uh, right. and just advising continually uh, what those costs are. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess if we're looking at, I mean, just kind of ballpark estimates here, because I mean, keep in mind, there's so many variables that go into it that these are just ballpark estimates. If, um, if I was looking at just doing something completely from the ground up, would I be looking at putting about 20,000, 30,000 down for like, let's just say a 2,000 square foot, three bedroom. Yeah, generally um, it's going to be, yeah, somewhere right around, uh, uh, somewhere between, oh, 25,000 and 35,000 down would be okay. generally Got would it. go down. And then the builder buys the land and then holds title to that land until, until the construction process is done. And then the buyer gets title upon completion of the, of the home uh, and once it finally uh, uh, closes at the bank upon completion. Got it. Now, does the buyer go and like finance the construction process through a builder loan or is that one of the benefits you get of just working with the builder? They'll handle all the other expenses. You know, um, it, it varies. You know, some of the homes Peter's been building recently, he does his own financing on. There are uh, banks you can finance with. Um, there are various financing options. There are certain banks like First National Bank that will do new construction loans. Um, and then there are some really interesting programs right now through some of the different lenders that, um, you know, with interest rates expected to get down into the 5% range, anywhere from nine months to two years from now, could be, you know, based on what happened today, that's that was a really optimistic sign. Um, there are some bridge loans that you can get or adjustable rate mortgages where you can actually 
have lower payments for the first two years or three years, depending on, and it, it all gets down to you want to talk to the financial people and the lenders, and it depends on every person's individual situation. And uh, the easiest ones, you know, I worked with quite a few cash buyers as well that, you know, if they're paying cash, uh, that takes a lot of that away and makes it just super simple um, to go through that process. But, you know, Peter can always let everyone know what the house would cost and uh, how to cut back on expenses um, or how to, you know, get the, the kind of look that they really want to get. Right. And you know what? I, I think that would have been a better way to word that kind of the second question, what makes it more expensive? I'm actually going to change that to um, what additions do people put in there that usually makes it expensive? So you kind of mentioned the, the kitchen before. Um, kitchen cabinets, um, yeah. you know, um, you know, uh, standard cabinets won't go all the way to the ceiling. Um, um, you know, Peter does some standards like that a lot of other builders don't do. Some of those things would include, he always includes the refrigerator, um, water softener, garage is completely finished, drains in the garage, um, plug-ins for, um, you know, the plug-ins for either the, the 50 amp circuit for a motor home or the generator. Um, Usually a soaking tub and shower is common in the master bath and is always standard. Uh, water softeners, certainly uh, uh, many builders charge extra for, but it's all these extras that you really got to look at when you're comparing one house to another. Because if you have one builder that includes all those as standard and another one that gives you a basic, basic, basic house and very low thresholds for the amount of money, for example, for the kitchen cabinets, that's what you have to compare. And so many people end up paying the same amount of money, but they get charges upgrades. And Peter's style is, you know, if you have a not really nice house, it should have a double oven. It should, you know, it should, you need the water softener because the water coming out of the ground in this area is a little bit hard. Um, um, you know, the ranch does have a community well in it. And so all the water is coming from a well that is tested monthly and is very safe. Um, but the lot price is probably your biggest expense. Um, most of the lots at the ranch right now started around anywhere from 115,000 up to 125,000 for approximately a half acre lot. And there are, I know there is one full one acre lot for about 135 right now. Um, and, um, and some of the more remote land can be less expensive. Uh, but you have to be very careful, too, on how much of that land is buildable. One of the interesting things I learned is if, uh, you know, watching an excavator go in and do a perk test, for example, on, on raw land, you know, they, they see how, how much water will perk into the ground and how fast. And if there's a lot of trees, that's a good condition that the ground is pretty good. Uh, there's other areas, there tends to be a lot of kind of swampy area where you might have to build a pad to build a house that could push up the costs you know, 20, 30,000 or more to do that. So um, the quality of the land. So you always want to have a builder look at land before you ever consider buying land to build a house on. Yeah, that's, that's really sounds like it, you know, like you mentioned, one of those things that can really drive up the, the price fast. Cause I mean, there's a way to, 
build on any piece of land, but you know, it's, it's a matter of how much money are you willing to spend to put a house on this absolutely vertical piece of land on the side of a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just going for the straight up Minas Tirith look. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A couple more questions here. And then I've got some, um, then I've got a couple of uh, more general questions and we'll wrap it up. How's that sound? That sounds great. Okay. Sounds good. So coming in from Anti again, are post-tension slabs very common up there? Um, Is that more of that a Peter be, question? That would be a Peter question on that one. Um, I know that, uh, as I understand it, post-tension has to do with, I think, cabling running through the concrete and some things like that for stability. Uh, um, there, um, that that tends to be done more in some of the commercial construction up here, but uh, it is certain areas based on earthquake requirements could require that. It just depends on the area. I don't right. see much of that in the area that uh, that we're building in right now. Right. All right. From Mr. Hotshot again. Um, I think we kind of hit this before. Um, I may have missed this earlier, but what about buying an existing home versus building a new home general costs? So that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Great, great question. You know, the way I would answer that is since the beginning of COVID, building costs have increased 35%, according to the uh, National Association of Home Builders. And on top of that, you've got high interest rates now, which, or I should say you've got normal interest rates for what we've experienced over the last 50 years. But when we all got used to COVID rates, that was, you know, the bank lending the money to banks for free. That's not normal. And for those that got to enjoy that, including myself, I think that was a great time. And for those that took advantage of it, good for you. But I think what we are going to see is uh, I think we will see interest rates that could be anywhere between five and nine, 10 percent. Now, we what we don't know is we don't know if there's going to be uh, how long this war is going to take place uh, overseas. We don't know what the final mix of power might be in Washington. And we don't know what the future oil is at this point. So there's a lot of variables that are creating a lot of instability out there is the only way I can really answer that. But I would say if you can find a house that was built more than two years ago, it's going to be approximately 35% less than building a house now. And I think there is some tremendous value in existing homes if they meet your requirements. One of the challenges many you know, I hear from many people is it's there's so few houses on the inventory to buy that it's hard to find one that meets your exact requirements. And we're still in what would be a seller's market with limited supply of existing homes to buy. And again, if you can find a house that was built and started uh, the year before this year, they're going to be less expensive than ones that were started this fall, for example, that are still under construction. The secret is really is what what do you want? And what you want to do is you want to marry the house and you want to date the interest rate because you can always refinance that interest rate when rates go lower or talk to some of the lenders about some creative ways to get payments lower why interest rates are high and then uh, and then adjust accordingly when the rates uh, hopefully 
uh, improve a little bit and get down in that 5% range again. Right, right. So one more question or another question here from Bill D. Is it more affordable to build a two-story home or a single-story home with a finished basement? Uh, it would be, oh, um, that would have to be probably a Peter question because we, we don't tend to do a lot of basements here unless they're a walkout basement. You know, it's kind of not like it is in the Midwest or some other parts of the, of the country. Um, a lot of the houses here are built with a crawl space in them. And so generally, um, I don't know that I could answer that one real, real, real well on that one, but I would say what we mostly see is traditional two-story stick construction with a, with a uh, crawl space on them is kind of the standard way to build. Usually the, uh, the forced air furnace is usually put in the crawl space. It can be put in the garage if someone wants, you know, we can do heated floors, uh, radiant heat if they want, but traditionally that's the way most of the houses are being built, at least at the ranch currently. Right, right. <clears throat> so I know how all of you think right now. The chat is probably about to blow up with a lot of heating questions, and let's let's save that for a, for a different live stream that will take up the rest of our time. <laughs> so we'll we'll save that for another one. But real quick, from Michael Twelve, what does a half acre in Eagle River? Um, and we'll say, how does a half acre lot in Eagle River compare to Palmer? Um, you know, I've, uh, it's going to be more expensive in the Eagle River area because, again, there's a little less availability of land in the Eagle River area. Um, and uh, I know uh, we have, we have uh, some people that work for Keller that uh, represent builders in the Eagle River area. And uh, when comparing them, the prices out here in the valley were considerably less expensive. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, I'm actually just going to show you guys real quick, kind of emphasize Bill's point here. So this is Eagle River right here. So it's just northwest of, of Anchorage proper. And, you know, this looks like a fair bit of land over here, but we've got the mountains crowding in here, um, both on Baldy. And then you've got this over here and kind of the north and the south fork. And uh, that's kind of steep ground over there. And we've got a lot of a lot of building that has already happened here in this area. And this looks like a lot of just available land over here, but a lot of this is actually, um, a lot of this is going to be from Elmendorf, um, J-Bear. So joint, joint base, Elmendorf, Fort Richardson, right here in this area. So looks like more land than it actually is. We're seeing some building going on out here in Chugiak, but, you know, you just have fewer fewer options here in Eagle River than what you're going to find out in Palmer. So, yeah. And there's just so much more land out here and, uh, and there are a lot of mountains in the Eagle River area, but there is a lot of, uh, steeper areas in that area. Um, and you know, it tends to be a little bit more of a seismic area. You know, when we had our last big earthquake, Eagle River got hit pretty hard, and so did Joint Base Elmendorf Richardson, where we've really experienced very little in terms of any kind of earthquake damage in the new construction that we've had out at the ranch. It's just different ground, and so uh, 
I know Joint Base Elmdorf Richard got hit real, real hard. So it's, you know, that's just a little bit of a consideration. Earthquake insurance is, is pretty expensive. Yeah, I mean, I've actually found most people don't even bother with earthquake insurance just because the only time it makes sense is if the property is just flattened, which, you know, obviously do your own research. I'm always going to recommend get the insurance, so on and so forth. But um, anecdotally, yeah, my property pretty much had to be flattened to, to make it make sense. So you know, well, here's, run the numbers, here's, see what's going to make sense yeah. for you. Well, here's an interesting story. I just sold a house in Eagle River that had had substantial earthquake damage. They had earthquake insurance. Uh, the price tag for fixing that house was about $395,000, and it was all paid for by insurance. And um, had they not had that insurance, it would have it would have wiped them out. Um, and um, that house was like a brand new house after they got done with it. So it's there are contractors that deal in that, uh, but it's always good when you buy when you buy land is to check what kind of earthquake zone it's in and have your realtor check that out and verify that for you. Right. So let's let's go ahead and um, start winding down here with just kind of a, a big overall question. And for those of you who are um, in the chat section, you have any more questions, um, get your, uh, this is the final round here. So um, go ahead and get your, your final questions answered in there. But what are the pros and cons of building? Because I mean, uh, this is a very um, realistic, you know, group of people we have here. They understand nothing's going to be perfect and they fully expect there to be cons along with all the, you know, the pros of doing a new construction home. So, you know, what in your experience are some of the biggest pros and cons maybe of some pros and cons maybe people don't expect initially well i think i i one of the one of the certainly the pro is you get to live in a house that no one else has lived in you get to pick out all the finishes for that house and even if you want to go with the builder's standard uh, one of his standard homes like let's say the saint pierre you can pick out all the finishes for the whole house, no, pick the floor plan you want, um, and then pick out all the interior finishes and make it just the way you want to make it. Um, you can work with a builder on how the house is set. You can get it facing, you can pick the lot that gets the best sunlight and gets the best view. You can have that garage just the right size to hold what you want it to hold. And so from an ideal standpoint, you're, you're getting something that that is just the way you want it. Um, the other thing you can do is you can, uh, if you buy an older home or a home that is, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of turnover of homes up here because we have a big military base up here. So you have a lot of military that come up here for three years and then, and then move on to a different area. So there tends to be some turnover of those military housing out here in the valley. And that's a great opportunity to buy a house that might be only a few years old to, you know, maybe 10 years less than 10 years old. There's some real good values in buying homes that were built, you know, prior to COVID. And so I think the, the con is you can get into a really well-priced house that exists if it meets your requirements. And so I think the important thing is make that list of the 10 most important things you want in that house and see how many of them are covered by 
the house that you're considering buying that's existing versus having one built just the way you want. And if you're going to be in that house for more than five years, the interest rate now is not that big of a consideration. You know, it's all going to be a wash over the long term because most houses are always continuing to build equity. It's a great investment long term. And um, um, and then the other thing is, you know, think about travel time to where you need to be and and uh, what your short and long term goals are for for how long you want to stay in Alaska. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the what are some of the cons then of of doing the new construction route? Oh, I'd say some of the cons would be that um, it the building process for a bigger home can take a long time. Um, there are some homes that could take up to a year to build. Um, there could be a lot of cost changes that take place due to the supply uh, availability of materials for building materials right now. Sometimes trusses are hard to come by. Uh, I know uh, appliances are very hard to come by right now, have long lead times. But these good builders are very aware of that. And so I think what you want to do is you, if you got a, if you need to be in a house in a very specific time frame, you might be better to go out and look for a house or find one that is done. You know, um, find one that's completed. And if it meets your requirements, buy it. Um, if if you really want to get the lowest priced house you can possibly get in this market with these interest rates right now, it's probably buy an existing home that's a couple years old. But cons. Cons also would be um, um, you know you have to think about your proximity to neighbors. Do you want to be really do you want city living or do you want to have an area where you can't see a neighbor at all? Do you want to be in the trees or do you want to be up on a, a skyline looking out at the ocean? Um, so it really gets down to individual preferences of where you want to live, what you want your, your commute time to be, and what is your budget. And if you have a relatively tight budget, you're going to tend to be in more of a residential area. Um, if you tend to have more money, you can get bigger lots and you can tend mm -hmm. to get more creative with the building process. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, Bill, I got one more for you. You got one more question in you? Oh, you bet. Go for it. Okay. Okay. So from the chat section on it, Ozzy, how long is the builder's insurance or guarantee on a new construction here? It's about seven to 10 years. Generally, the, the, the warranty on a house is going to be about one year. Um, and there is no, the, the manufacturer's warranty carry on things like the cabinets, the appliances, you know, the builder can't warranty those because they're under the warranty of the manufacturer. Um, longer warranties can be purchased if required by the insurance company. Um, and, you know, the, it's also some of the costs of buying a house or building a house in Alaska are different than they are in the lower 48. Uh, for example, who might pay for the appraisal varies in the lower 48. Uh, it tends to be the, the buyers in Alaska tends to be the sellers. So um, 
those are things that will surprise people. You really want to look at the cost sheet of who pays for what when you're you're looking at the cost of building that house, uh, because there's been surprises with the differences between what they are in different parts of the country. But uh, some insurances want longer uh, guarantees, and those are available for uh, for a price. Okay, outstanding. Well, Bill, I really do appreciate appreciate your time here, sir. You know, I know that uh, it is. It has definitely been a long day, so <laughs> I uh, I definitely do understand that. I do appreciate you taking the time to answer our questions here. Um, you know, for those of you who are looking at doing new construction, again, I, I cannot recommend Bill enough. So if you're looking at jumping into new construction, certainly feel free to go to the, the link down below in the uh, description section. Once we do have this video posted up on YouTube, click on that and I'll go ahead and get you connected with Bill. Um, go ahead and just put like, you know, Bill in the comments section. So I, I know exactly who I need to get you connected with though. But, and, and we're happy to schedule a builder's meeting um, with the builder and with you. And I apologize, Peter couldn't make it tonight. He, uh, the guy has a really busy schedule and he said he would try to make it in every way possible. And, uh, and I called him about two times on the way over here and he said, I'll really try to make it. And, uh, you know, uh, but he, uh, he would love to talk with you and we can always meet remotely via zoom. If uh, you're out of state, just to talk what ifs and we can send you plans. I can also send you great videos of, of, uh, you know, what it is you might be looking for, uh, or, or send you some diagrams of the lots that are currently available. But I love construction. And Jamin, thank you for this opportunity to talk on your show tonight. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and uh, talk about new construction. Hey, and the pleasure's all mine. And uh, if you guys want to see more live streams like this with uh, with Bill and Peter, once we're able to, um, once we're able to um, get them on the schedule or socially peer pressure them on here, <laughs> and, you know, make sure to uh, leave those comments in there as well. And um, yeah, thanks again, Bill. You're a scholar and a gentleman. And you know, thank everyone for watching and we'll see you next time. And Jamin's the real deal. And uh, thanks for watching this program today and uh, look forward to chatting with anyone that would like to chat. All right. All right. Bye now, everybody. Ciao.